This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, we'll start off by looking back at the Formula One and Avon Middleton joins us on the line again. Good evening, Avon, and thanks again for taking our call tonight on SAFM. Good evening, good evening. It's good to be back. Great. A one-two finish from the Red Bulls this past weekend. Is this an indication, Avon, of how the season will go? I have to say it was it was such a dominant performance that it looks like it looks like uh, Red Bull's season dominance of 2022 is set to continue, if not in even finer form. Um, I just you know it's it's you, we have to compliment them on 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 what a great car they've built. We have to compliment them on what a reliable package they've built. They just seem to be coasting on 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 Sunday and. Yes, Perez had some on-track action, but that was simply because he had a poor start and uh, lost the position. But I think in terms of the team, I think in the hands of both Max and Perez, that Red Bull team seems entirely, entirely unbeatable. Even Fernando Alonso is, is not going to quite do it. It's not at this stage anyway. And we're going to get into that, but was it a matter of getting it right for the Red Bulls on the day? Because they struggled a bit in practice. Some say they scraped through to get pole. What did they get right on the day? You know, I don't think so. We we saw throughout testing that Red Bull was entirely in control. They were incredibly fast on their on their race pace. They were incredibly fast on their one map pace. And what they did for uh, Bahrain is they tried to essentially they they compromised their one lap pace so that they could have a better race car. Max had a slightly slower start to the weekend, uh, just in terms of getting up to pace. But you know, when he put it on pole when 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 it mattered, and I think he still had some time in hand. I, I think on the day they were they were really managing themselves. They were managing tires. Uh, they were really nursing the car home. There was there was a point where, you know, you got to know when a car is almost 40 seconds ahead of the next car, even with a pit stop in hand, uh, you got to know that's an incredibly dominant car. And if that was them compromising their uh, qualifying for their race pace, well then what happens when they don't compromise their you know, and, and they just go all in get, and get the whole aerodynamic package right, they get the whole strategy right, they get tire management right, but they're, they're incredibly dominant. I think, I think at no point this weekend did Red Bull look un, unfazed. You know, they, they were completely, or phased, sorry, they were completely in control. So no, I think we're looking at a really, a really dominant team. I don't know what any team can do to, to change that, really. I think the fight is really for second, third, and fourth place right now. And who is that fight going to be between? Because last week, we brought you back this week, because last week you said you were not surprised by Aston Martin's showing in testing because it was a long-term a plan. But did you expect them to claim a podium finish in the season opener? Do you know what? I, I actually did, simply because Ferrari didn't quite show any spectacular form, either in testing uh, or up until the very end of qualifying, when Charles Leclerc seemed to seem to put out quite a good lap, um, I mean, you know, we expected the Ferraris to have a really tough race, and I didn't expect them to be challenging for second or third. I thought that the Aston Martin team or the Mercedes team, in fact, would be challenging for that position. But what we what's clear now is both of those cars, both of, both of those Aston Martins, are really solid. They're they're a great base to start the season from. Of course, Alonso. Playing the position 
because of Ferrari's uh, failure, yeah. which you know, you know, in racing they say it's only it's only over when you cross the line. So, you know, that's racing, and that's how you win points. You've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be in it to claim the position, and that's what Alonso did. He, he, he fought on track. He, he had a poor start, and he fought those positions back on track, and then of course gained that fourth position and was in the right place to get that third place when Charles Sakar failed. So I, I'm particularly impressed with that Aston Martin team. And I think if you look at it as a base, and what I mean by that is the race throughout the season is about improving the cars race to race. And of course, there's going to be tracks that suit that car more and there's going to be tracks that suit that car less. But I think to start in Bahrain, like this is, is an incredible feat, and we have to just we have to just congratulate both Alonso. You know, I know Alonso stole all the headlines, but Lance Stroll deserves some credit as well. This is a man who didn't get testing at all. You know, came into Bahrain, people didn't even think he was going to race. Still has injuries in his wrist and on his toe, I believe, and then managed to dr- drive such an incredible race um, and bring the car home. Uh, and, and get great points for the team. So we must we must congratulate them. They've, they've done a great job, and I and I I think they're going to be that second and third place team this season, fighting for those two positions. Do you think they can maintain it throughout the season? You know what? I think they can. They've got a great powertrain, and I think they have a great aerodynamic package, and I and they have a great uh, senior driver, if I can call him that. You know, Alonso mm. brings a lot of experience the team he brings a lot of um you know he's someone who can bring the team together almost like the glue that holds the team together and this podium is going to do that even more but as we know alonso is also an incredible strategist an incredible racer so when there's points on the table you can be sure that alonso is going to capitalize on, on maximizing that potential uh you know of course it's early days but i don't see any reason why they're going to have reliability issues I don't see why the team may get unstuck with strategic issues. Ultimately, the car's good, and uh, they just need to, the, the, the drivers need to bring the car home, and I think they are going to do well this season. Absolutely. I actually had a comment this weekend, somebody saying, I think it was one of the commentators or the analysts saying with Alonso, it's 70% strategy, 25% driving, and the other 5% is trying to figure out where his teammate is or how his teammate is doing. <laughs> That sums it up nicely, eh? <laughs> yeah, it does. But this is what I mean by he's always thinking. Yes. You know, he's not just thinking about himself. He's also thinking about maximizing the team points. Even when he was at Alpine, he was always considering where is Ocon and what can we do to give Ocon the better points? And and that's the kind of guy you want in your, in your, in your team. It's not just about him. You know, it's not just about selfishness and I need to get the most and I don't care about anyone else. So you have to you have to like it. Uh, who can not like Fernando Alonso? <laughs> yeah, and then you talk you talk about reliability issues. You don't think they'll have them, Aston Martin? But what about Ferrari now? Because we saw Charles Leclerc retiring uh, due to that electric problem on the power unit. What what can we read into that? Sure, uh, it's a difficult one. They, they had a fairly faultless testing, so I was quite surprised by that. We know that these things happen, but it was it was quite a surprise. And I think for now, it's hard to read much into it except to say they need to fix it. I think in 2022, Red Bull had the reliability up front, Ferrari capitalized. And in the very next race, Ferrari had reliability issues and Red Bull capitalized. And so we, you know, we just got to hope that Ferrari keeps it all together 
I think it's early days to speculate in terms of, of what this failure does for the future, but we've got to hope that they'll get reliability right, particularly in this you know, second phase of this new era of, of, of hybrid cars. You know, they should they should they should be they should be more reliable, and that that kind of thing is is totally it's unacceptable. You know, uh, you just can't leave points on the table like that. And team needs to do whatever they need to do to make sure that when your team is running in third place, you just can't you just cannot give points away like you, like they did on Sunday. So yeah, it is a worry, but I think let's 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 see what happens in the next few races. Um, Formula One is a sport of extremes. And so sometimes things will fail, but that, that certainly shouldn't have happened. Well, Toto Wolf seems to be worried. Is it, is it right to be worried? Because they came in fifth and seventh. Lance Stroll finished in between them. And he described it as one of their worst days in racing. Avon? Yeah, it was a little bit ex- extreme from Toto Wolf. I mean, I think they've had some worse weekends. Certainly, they have had some worse weekends. You know, where I think his frustration and his worry comes from is actually more to do with the overall concept of the car, which he keeps talking about, but also, you know, what this means for the future and for the rest of the season. We all know that Mercedes is all about winning. We know that they need to get back to their winning ways. That's certainly what the whole team expects. That's certainly what shareholders expect, what sponsors expect. Mercedes is not there to fight for third and fourth place. And I think that's what Toto's really worried about. And I think when he, <laughs> when he cries this woe is me, the worst weekend I've ever had, uh, for sure, a little bit a little bit extreme. But I think it's more so a picture of what's happening deep within him and deep within that team that is actually quite worrying. Uh, it's not something that they seem to be able to just turn around in, in overnight. You know, it's a significant development gap that, that they have. And they just... You know, they just don't have the time, nor do they have uh, the resources to be able to turn that car around, certainly from from what we've seen in testing in Bahrain. And I think, you know, we were saying last week about Mercedes being famous for sandbagging, being famous for downplaying their performance, which actually they did, because in qualifying they showed up. But I think actually they're, I think they're genuinely in trouble. That's, that's certainly the way I read it right now. They need to totally rework that car. And you and I both know that's certainly not something that happens overnight. Yeah, I was watching Race to Survive and Christian Horner was saying that um, Toto Wolf and Mercedes have never been in this position before because they've been dominant all these years and they now seem like they don't know what to do at the moment. Yeah, look, it's, it's not entirely true. Of course, Mercedes hasn't always been dominant. You know, it, it, when Lewis signed for them, they weren't dominant. And uh, Lewis and, and Nico Rosberg and actually Michael Schumacher just before then you know, they did a lot of development work. And this is what I was talking about last uh, week about Aston Martin. You know, the, the development phase of a great Formula One car is not a one-year process. It takes a while. And, you know, they've been through that. They did go through it, and they recruited great um, staff and uh, great leaders, great strategic guys, great engineering guys, and that's how they built that team. At the moment, don't you know, don't forget that they have lost uh, some, some key engineering figures that have gone to Aston Martin, um, and so I don't. Think, I don't think they've never been here before. But I think we, we, what they're struggling with is just how wrong they've got it. You know, sometimes you know a car is poor, and you know how to, you know what needs to be done to get it to a place of competitiveness. 
But I think in this case, they're scratching their heads as to as to what what they can do to, to solve the problem. And that's, for a team like Mercedes, that's, that's a tough place to be. Okay, so Avon, are you then saying the race for second will be between Ferrari, Aston Martin, and maybe Mercedes? You're putting Aston Martin in that mix. I am, absolutely. I am. I, I, at, at this point, Red Bull is definitely ahead of the game. And the, the the big points behind them are definitely Aston Martin, Ferrari, and Mercedes MG. Uh, and I think right now Mercedes is on the back foot of that little trio. Okay, yeah, right. it's, it's all it's, it's all to play for. I'm, I mean, but this is Formula One. It's only race yep. one, and uh, you know the, the next race is, is is a street circuit. It's in Jeddah, entirely different conditions to Bahrain. Um, much tighter racing, so I'm sure we're going to see some scrapes. We're going to see some safety cars, you know. And let's <laughs> let's see what happens there, you know. And just finally, Avon, I mentioned Drive to Survive earlier on. How much, in your opinion, do you think it's it's done for the sport? Because there's been a lot of talk that it's brought a new market into into Formula One. Uh, it's a hundred percent true. I, you know, it's done a lot for the Formula One fan base in America, in particular. But it's also done that globally. I, I know so many new F1 fans that have become that simply because of Drive to Survive, single-handedly yeah. because of Drive to Survive. And these are people who in the past would say things like, oh, F1 is boring, you know, I don't watch F1. You know, people are just totally not interested in it. But what Drive to Survive has done is it's given us a drama to watch with real people and real personalities and real clashes of, of ego. And, you know, it's like watching a, it's like watching a, a drama or, a, or, or I wanted to say a soap opera, but perhaps not. But it's really brought people into the sport, not just on a purely racing level or on a purely technical level. Because I think that's the problem with Formula One in the past. It's been seen as too technical. If I don't understand what downforce is and if I don't understand about, you know, tire degradation and I don't know what DRS is and I don't know, you know, it, it, it can seem quite an intimidating sport from a technical perspective, but what Drive to Survive has done is it's made it human. You know, this isn't about wings and powertrains. This is about people. Yeah. And as you and I both know, that's, you know, that's the basis of every great story, right? It's about people, characters and relationships. So I certainly think Drive to Survive has done well. Personally, I don't particularly like Drive to Survive because it's quite contrived in my book anyway. It's something that, it's TV, you know, yeah. and, and they've, there's a lot that they've done to make it more dramatic than it yeah. is sometimes. And that kind of irritates me. But I'm, you know, I'm an old school if one fan. like a true purist. <laughs> okay, yeah. Avery, But I, I think, I think there, yeah. the other story which we mustn't forget is, uh, you know, the rookie, the rookie race. Yeah. And I think we must celebrate that Williams done really well this past weekend. A team that has been labelled as the you know the back of the grid team for many many seasons now. Um, I think I think they've come to the races and it's just wonderful to see Alex Albon finish in the points yep. and Logan Sargent finish just just you know behind him. And they had a really strong race and I'm I'm very excited to see Williams rise out of that back of the grid kind of you know stigma that unfortunately has has stuck to them. So that was that was a great part of Sunday for me as well. Great stuff. Thanks for speaking to us, Avon. Always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up throughout the season.
Randwater is concerned about the significance